The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host, and I'm thrilled to be here on a Wednesday, March 4th, for Brady Quinn Football Show! What's up? Will, it's been so long since we had a chance to, to work together, to talk, to hang out. Uh, I missed you, man. I, I you missed, guys, I missed you the guys, Pick 6. I, I missed you, too. You guys did a great job uh, holding down the podcast. At the combine for me. Prisco um, wasn't uh, involved too much. Uh, I think Jamie Eisenberg at one point, the days were so long, he started nodding off during the podcast. That's a little <laughs> behind the scenes look. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was actually a lot of fun. Ryan did a, a great job, uh, hosting it when he did it. So, uh, all credit to everyone involved because they were long days. I hope people realize it was solid 16 hour days. Yeah. The new schedule of the combine, uh, switched things up. So you guys would, I mean, and really, you know, it probably would have helped to have more personnel there. Uh, and you could have, uh, you could have split up the duties even more. But, you know, you, like, you had to have somebody on in the morning at 8 a.m. for CBS Sports HQ. Right. You had to have somebody recapping right. the combine drills at 11 like, o'clock. Like, night. Who, who are we missing, you think? Who would have made a lot of sense to bring to the combine to be there in Indianapolis? I, you know, if I could find a, if I could think of a name, I'd give you one. I just, nothing really pops <laughs> in my mind. No, no Billy Brinson. No Billy Brinson. <laughs> that one makes a lot of sense. Speaking of CBS Sports HQ, Brady will be on CBS Sports later, CBS Sports HQ later today. So we're going to have a very, uh, this is going to be a tight podcast. We're going to keep it tight. Like me and my, me and my thirties, the opposite of me and my thirties. We're going to keep it tight. Um, and, uh, we may get to mailbag questions, but I don't know if that'll happen. Uh, however, eventually we will answer your questions. Leave them on Apple Podcasts, download, subscribe, and leave a five star review. If you do, we will get to it at some point uh today we're going to talk some Dak Prescott we'll probably talk some Tom Brady because you know what are you gonna what are you gonna do how are you gonna not talk Tom Brady and uh Brady and I Brady Quinn and I will have a nuanced conversation about the uh intricacies of a collective bargain agreement and labor negotiations so Devo bring out your notebook and take notes because this is going to be CBA 101 that's right that's right I'll, I'll do my best to contribute what I can and uh kind of give you some Differences between, you know, maybe what, you know, people are saying is a good deal or bad deal, why it, it might be depending on who you ask and who you talk to about the, this particular proposed deal, which being reviewed, I believe, at least last I checked by both attorneys, it will later be then voted upon once the language is figured out. And, and you, you do have to acknowledge not to get to the subject too quick, but, uh, the, 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 the language about the data, right? All this data that we're collecting. Mm. 
that that is actually some of the more vague language within what we've seen so far in the CBA because we really don't know how teams are going to use it, how they're going to package it and sell it, and where it's going to go. And, and uh, okay, wait, I'll just so Debo, if you, we're going to just go CBA. Let's go, Dak, let's go Dak first because I think we could get in. You and I could get into the weeds of the CBA very quickly. Sure, so let's sure. let's just talk some Dak Prescott okay. really quickly. Uh, what what is the holdup here? I mean, I, like I understand it's got to be what he's asking for. And, and I and I said this before, going into the last year of his rookie deal, it was going to be incredibly hard to get an extension done because you didn't have the ability to use that fifth year option, right? Yep. So when you're forecasting, you know he was only you were only forecasting when you drafted him for two million that year, and with I mean with all the other decisions they've got to make on that roster, unfortunately they put themselves in the position where they re up Jalen Smith, they re up Zeke Elliott, they re up you know guys who had years left on their deal. When they really didn't have to, and and then on top of that, you know, you you only had projected that two million, you know, last year to kind of work with. Whereas if you had that fifth year option, you know, you could throw that other twenty million into that extension, and uh, then you add on the new money, and it makes it a little bit more easier to negotiate. So I think the asking price, at least if, if I was in his shoes, is so astronomical because I'm basing my first two or three years off two tags or three tags, and and you know how that that number can jump up. But look, this is what the owners want. They want the franchise tag as part of it in, in, in the CBA, which we'll get to. I don't want to again, jump ahead, but that language ain't changing as far as the franchise tag. So if they want to keep it in there. That's perfectly fine with me if I'm willing to play year to year under a one-year guaranteed contract uh, and let that number continue to rise. And if I'm Dak, I would much rather go the franchise tag route instead yes. of doing a short-term deal route. Like That sounds to me like Jerry and Steven are trying to put some feelers out there to get Dak to convince himself that, you know, he might take a little less, even though it might be a lot of money in the first two years in order to save room for some other guys. Um, and then they'll be able to re-up him after that. I think that'd be a mistake. I think you go to the Cousins route. That's how you maximize your leverage and, and really how, many, how you make the most money. It's a difficult decision, I think, for Dak Prescott because, like, this is not – it is the same situation as Kirk Cousins in the sense that he is a quarterback who is drafted outside of the first round. Uh, his team has been – you know, hot and cold on whether they want to sign him long term. Uh, he's a controversial figure in terms of how he's viewed, you know, across the NFL landscape. But the reality is that he's a top 15 quarterback, no matter how you slice it, and that eventually he is going to get paid a lot of money by somebody. The one way it's different is that I feel like while Kirk Cousins was ambivalent about staying in Washington because he wasn't sure about the long term vision there, I think Dak Prescott really wants to be in Dallas and really wants to sign a long term contract and. I think the problem for him is that, and you know this because, and we, we've talked about your, uh, uh, what, what do we call it? The, when, when you didn't sign right away, when you, your contract negotiations early right, on in your, yeah. your first, as a rookie, right? Yeah, you had agreed, agreed upon terms. Right. But I mean, I'm, I'm trying to avoid the H word here because that's not, you know, right, we're trying to, re, right. we're trying hell, to reset hell. history. Oh, no, no, hold out, hold out. Okay, sorry. Yeah. No, no, it wasn't a hold out. You guys yeah. were negotiating a contract. Yeah, and I had that's the thing with Dak. Yep. But like, if you're Dak's agents, you cannot tell him to take $35 million a year and sign with the Cowboys on a deal that isn't like slammed with guaranteed money. It's going to make you look bad. It's going to cost you future clients, et cetera, et cetera. You have to try and get the best deal possible for Dak, and the, the way to do that is to take – like I feel like there's a chance Dak would take less just to get it done, just to become a multimillionaire, and just to get to the business of, of being the Cowboys quarterback. But I don't think he will do that because – a, it's like sort of disrespectful to yourself. Uh, B, he's pretty close to being a free agent. And C, his agents are just like, look, Dak, we can't take this deal. There's too much money waiting after you get through the tags. 
So there's a, the number of things you hit on and that I'm going to address. One of the reasons why you would maybe take a bit of a discount in order to stay in, in te- the state of Texas, it's not so much so it's team friendly and they can build and all that jazz. It's because there is no state income tax. Sure. So th- there's something to that in staying and instead of continuing to keep pressing for to get to free agency to go play where, right? Like you'd California, have to ask yourself, yeah, I mean, California or some other organization that to your point isn't set up well for you to succeed or isn't Dallas, right? And there's obviously a lot that comes along with wearing that star on your helmet. I mean, sure. you have to understand this. Once he signs that long-term deal, what ends up happening is, and he's already capitalizing on it now, is all that marketing money, right? When you're the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, he's going to make millions off the field in marketing alone. Now, you're not using that to supplement what you're leaving on the table for your contract. But what what you know, that's kind of the leverage point that I think the Cowboys and Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones have is saying to him, look, if we had agreed to a five-year deal, all of those marketing sponsors, those people, it's Oikos or Campbell's Chunky Soup or whoever else, they're only going to double dip back in because you're an ascending player. That's the Dallas Cowboys. Everyone, everyone loves the star on the helmet. And so that's when those deals come. That's why you see sometimes your best marketing deals when you're an athlete or a player are when you come in as a rookie. You know, I was able to capitalize on a lot of that because when you're a first round pick, it's a five year deal. They, they assume you're going to be there for five years and they, they, they can agree to a two, three, four year deal for a lot of these marketing uh, deals that will end up adding on to whatever you're making off your contract. So that's something that shouldn't be overlooked because, you know, outside of going to New York, who doesn't need a quarterback or an LA market, which I can't see him finding his way to the Chargers. And even then they're second fiddle to the Rams anyway. And they're not moving on from golf. There's not many other big markets you're looking at that you can say, yeah, he'd have a better chance at getting more money in marketing, and this would be a better situation for him to go to. So, um, unfortunately for him, I just, I don't know that the Cowboys are going to be able to offer him what he wants unless they just put in a ton of, uh, bonuses. It's riddled with guarantees and they can prorate that over a longer term and then kind of make it more cap friendly and then really most likely renegotiate with him again two years from now if he continues on this path. Don't you think? And by the way, we've got to get the EAS the EAS uh, sound drop from Brady's now rookie done. year. No, I'm no, done. I'm done. No matter how demanding my workout is, I'm not done until I finish it with EAS Myoflex. Taken within 30 minutes after my workout, the high quality protein in Myoflex helps me refuel and build lean muscle. That way, I don't waste any of my workout. Now I'm done. Grab your EAS Myoflex at a leading retailer near you, or for your free sample, go to EAS.com. Um. I mean, you're 22. It's a, it's a good line. Uh, we need to, um, but don't you think the agent thing matters? Like those well, guys. Can't so that's take the other, that's the other thing that you know you hire an agent, for example, you know for for most guys, um, because and and his agents didn't have this pressure when he was a rookie, right? He was drafted with the fourth round, so they didn't have the pressure of signing a deal in a first round pick. It's slotted now anyway. So this is really where the agents prove their value to you. Back when I was in, in the league. The, the first round was different. Like they proved their value in that rookie contract because there's a thing called a quarterback premium. Now you look at it and you say, there's the philosophy that he wants to be paid market value for the quarterback position. So in order for them to justify whatever fee they're charging, which the max is 3%, it could have been negotiated down to less. Who knows? But for some of these guys, they don't take as much on the front end. They're taking maybe 1% or 1.5%, which is the standard uh, representation agreement. That's what the union now recommends is 1.5%. For these rookie deals. So this is now, if you're looking at the contract agent, the opportunity for those agents to really cash in and make their money and, and prove their worth. So to that point that you said, yeah, if you're paying him a guy, whatever percentage, this is the time where you feel like he actually really is owning up to making his money. And that's why 
you're probably relying on him. You're probably saying to him, you tell me when this deal is right. You tell me when it's structured right and, and, and it's there because you can educate me on, on it all you want. But that's, you know, he's not an expert. Dak's not an ex- expert. He might have an idea, but, you know, every offer they make, he's got to come to you and tell you what that offer is and explain it to you. And he's most likely going to explain to you why you shouldn't take that offer until that deal is, is to the point where I think it surpasses Russell Wilson as far as the average annual salary. Okay. Do you think that a deal with Dak, a Dak deal gets done before June 15th? Oh, they're going to tag him, obviously. Yeah, they're going to tag him. That's what I'm saying. And that's the deadline. Um, I these, would ha- these NFL teams really like, and this is not a criticism because I really like to be, to procrastinate too. But like, if you have the option to tag somebody right. and then push it back to, I think it's actually July 15th. Is it July or June? I think it's July. It's you might be right. Yeah. I think it's July, July but um, I'll, I'll check. I got it in front of me. Um, either, either way, it's in the summer. Right. And you, we saw this with Drew Brees and the Saints. Like, right. they, like he's the guy who won them a Super Bowl, and they're tagging his ass and still, like, pushing it out to June. And then at the very last second on on that date in, in July, uh, they, they knock something out. Um, and uh, June you, 15th you, is the deadline to uh, withdraw your qualifying offer to restricted free agents. July 15th, franchise tag deadline. But, but don't um, you think that that strategy – is because terrible. well, you've had a much, you have a much better idea about at that point, you know, especially for this these circumstances, we'll know about the CBA here shortly. We'll know what what the deal is in free agency. You'll know, you know what uh, what you do in the draft, and so you'll have a better idea about your roster and like where you can create cap space and, and where you can't, and then how you maybe want to structure it moving forward. You know, based on how all those things have worked out. So, uh, I would use it. Um, even though it, again, it creates the floor of the negotiation, especially for the next two years, maybe three if you're Dallas in this case and you're Dax representation, I would still use it just to buy time. And, and look, if, if you haven't agreed to a deal with them by now, and I'll ask you this question, if this is Tony Romo, are we having this question? Like, Romo is probably signing an extension at this point. I don't know what the holdup has been, especially since Jerry's been public about signing him to this extension. Yeah, it's weird. The, the Joneses are very good. And this is sort of a sales business side of things, but like, they're very good at like, and, and Jerry especially, like, he loves to talk out of one side of his well, mouth. I mean, should, should he spend less time thinking about Des in the shower and maybe more time thinking about Dak and like this <laughs> yeah. deal? Like, it shouldn't that be what Jerry Jones is doing right now? Yeah, he should, all he should be thinking about is Dak. Like, how can we sign Dak to a long-term deal? I do think though that that point about, um, you know, your roster and, and how you handle this, is very important. Like you're trying, like you can get through the draft, you can get through all that, and you can say, okay, we had earmarked X for Dak. We have a little bit more than we thought we did. Let's go ahead and crank up his 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 salary cap hit for this year. And maybe maybe there's enough room in terms of how you've assembled your roster and what you have sitting around that you can actually get a deal done that gets him more cash in his pocket right now. So maybe that works out. Um, I would be wary if I was the Cowboys, though, and we said this, if Patrick Mahomes signs a contract. You could find yourself getting burnt here if Dax refuses to take less than Patrick Mahomes because oh, he if, can get more than that on the open market. If, if if Mahomes signs his deal first, which you know I keep saying Kansas City needs to be knocking at the door of sure. Patrick Mahomes every day trying to get that extension done. But if Mahomes signs first, there's no doubt Dak plays into the tag this year. I just have a hard time imagining he's not going to try to jump over that number. And you know, if you look at the structure of what Mahomes' deal will look like, especially knowing now. What the projected salary cap for next season is 200 million or somewhere like close to 204, somewhere in that ballpark range, uh, which is more, I believe, right? It's like 12 million more, uh, you know, than what the average has been. And I think if we all assume that new TV rights deal, that's going to make the number go up. The data that we can talk about later on, that's going to make the number go up. And obviously gambling. 
that this salary cap is only going to continue to rise. And so if that's the case, you know, you're, you're trying to project moving forward. You might be using the tag as part of that, but either way, uh, it's going to be really hard for them to get a deal done with Dak if he's looking at trying to surpass Mahomes' deal. Yeah, you're right. And it, man, it's going to be tricky. Todd, what's your, uh, I was going to, we're going to get to the, the CBA stuff too, because I think that is like, there's all this talk that the CBA is holding up certain contracts and certain negotiations. Uh, one has been mentioned with Dak, and I think that's viable. Like if the salary cap jumps 12 million extra dollars because right. they put the new CBA in, right. all of a sudden there's a lot more room to, to do that. We don't well, know when the cap number is going to come out. And the fact you may have two tags, you know, so, right. so let's, sure. let's say this thing gets pushed off. It doesn't pass. Now we have a franchise and a transition tag. And so it changes how you look at trying to figure out uh, both Dak or Byron Jones or whoever else um, you know you look at on your roster as far as you know or Amari Cooper for that matter uh, guys that could potentially both be tagged right Tennessee is another um, in another situation Tampa uh, Tampa, Tampa with, with Jameis and Jack Barrett so um, if you're operating under that I mean there is still a lot you have to you have to be seen and I think probably the tag more so than even the salary cap may be the thing that you're trying to determine first. Right, since there is a deadline with when you have to apply that tag, what March twelfth, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, but it is has been they've been willing to be fluid with it because because of, they're still voting on the CBA. And just um, just really quickly, they've already pushed uh, it back two March days. 10, now, right? March tenth at four p.m. and then they, they bumped it back two days. Yep. So right? so that's why I, I was, was going to say for listeners who don't know. So currently, under the current rules of the 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 CBA that is set to expire after 2020, you can use the franchise tag and the transition tag this year only. If they work out a new CBA before the start of the league year on March 18th at 4 p.m., it, you will only be allowed to use one of those uh, per team. So you can either use the franchise tag or the transition tag. So that sort of affects how teams make the decision. And as we mentioned with the salary cap, currently. Uh, it's projected to jump between 10 and 12 million dollars for 2020. However, if they work out a new CBA, it is entirely possible it jumps 20 million dollars. Like, right. I, I don't, I don't think that's likely, but it's possible. So right. that's, anyway, back to your point. Yeah, no, so, so th- there's a good chance that it could go up by even more. And then at that point, you know, you have more room to work with, which, you know, maybe at that point it makes sense again to use the tag. You've got that July deadline. Um, and so that way you have a better understanding of where you're going to be at for this upcoming season, which, you know, is, is, you know, as important, for Dak and the Cowboys as anyone, just again because of the way he came in as a rookie, he wasn't a first round pick. You don't have that fifth year option. Uh, I, I can't uh, explain enough to people why it, 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 ma- it makes this negotiation so much more difficult for the Cowboys because when you draft a guy in the fourth round, you're looking at him to be potentially a backup that you know evolves into a starter or a guy who you know ends up at some point taking over, maybe second, you know, third, fourth year. We'll see. Uh, more of a project. He came on as a rookie and looked phenomenal from preseason all the way through that year. So they should have been doing this, you know, all along. And unfortunately, because of how the seasons have gone, you know, the, the at times injuries to Zeke, injuries to offensive linemen, the play of Dak, I think they've had their reservations, which is why it leads me to think if you don't know by now and you don't want to pay him what it's going to cost now, it only gets more expensive. So you might as well tag him. You might as well move forward and let him try to prove it again this year. And if he can, you know, again, jump on top of, of the numbers that he did this past year, I think at that point you have to pay him. You, you have to deal with what the situation is. So the uh, if you look at previous – so Dak has played now three years, right? Uh, four. Four years. Believe, he played yeah. four years. Yeah, yeah Dak's four played year four years. Right. But oh, Sorry, sorry. I was doing the math wrong. Dak has played four years. Russell Wilson played uh, three years – 
and then signed his contract. He, it's a similar situation to Dak is what I'm saying. It's like right. the Cowboys, when you have a guy that you draft in the middle to late rounds and he turns out to be a franchise caliber quarterback, a top half of the NFL quarterback, they did, the, the Raiders did this with Derek Carr. He's a second right. round guy. Right. Seahawks did it with Russell Wilson. If you don't have that fifth year option, you need to get your ass to the to the ATM and pay him as right. soon as humanly possible. Right. And this that's why the Cowboys have screwed the pooch. Well, and they had to have known after the first couple of years. They had to have known. Yeah. Uh, they should have never, you know, and they should have offered him something that he was willing to take. Because again, even though he's making that marketing money because he's the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, it's if they would have flashed sixty million fully guaranteed at him two years ago, he would have signed on a heartbeat. And so now you've got him under contract under for what I don't know four years. Let's say the you know extension or you know whatever the additional years on top of it. Let's say three. And so it would have been up being a five year in totality with the two years left on his deal. At that point, if you flash that deal to him, are you concerned about you know maybe you overpaid or maybe you gave him too much money, um, considering how cheap he's been the past couple of years? Yeah, that, that's that's your biggest concern, right? But now you have control of them. If things don't work out, you can trade them, maybe get something back in return. Uh, and obviously you could have been able to work out, um, you know, other contracts and, and, and you would have, again, had him cheap, maybe not as cheap as he's been the past two years, but relatively speaking to other franchise quarterbacks, much cheaper than, than what they're going to have to pay for his services now. The, the mistake by the Cowboys. So, uh, let's see, Derek Carr, was Dak, gosh, we are, I'm getting old. Dak was drafted a year before Derek Carr somehow. Um, is that right? No, 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 that's not right. What am I talking that's about? Derek Carr's, right. Derek Carr's contract. I'm looking at the, sorry. Dak Prescott was drafted the year before Derek Carr signed his contract extension, I think right. is what that is. Yeah. Um, and my point being is that I was like, man, that, that, that's not correct. <laughs> uh, I was like, what the hell am I looking at? Uh, I was looking at the track contract. Days. Anyway, um, they should have. Is that how you pronounce it? Is it Spotrack? Spotrack? Yeah, it's, track. yeah it's, it's, it's like no one knows how to pronounce it. Yeah, you hear, you, it's a, you it's definitely a, pronounce over the cap. Right. It's a great resource though for all this information. They do a tremendous job. Kudos to them. Uh, can they get us a phonetic pronunciation of their website? I just need to know. Is it spot track or spot track? Is it spot track? Spot track? I mean, what, what do we got here? Also, what, do we spot what, track? Is, what does that mean? I don't even I know don't, what it means. Is it like, I, I have no idea. Like I assume the track is like we're tracking contracts and stuff, but What's SPO? Spell? Yeah. Is that an acronym? What do we got? Sport? Is that short for sport? But why would you just say sport in there? Why do we spell or spot? Maybe somebody misspelled sport and contract. Someone's going like, to listen to this and they're going to be like, these are the two dumbest human beings alive. <laughs> like, I need to, I need to know. I mean, I like, I love spot, spot track, spot track, whatever. Anyway, um, the, the, the car thing threw me for a loop, but the, the point being is that the Cowboys should have signed Dak Prescott before Jared Goff or Carson Wentz signed. Oh yeah. You could have made, you could have saved yourself a ton of money. Now you screwed it up and you have to deal with the tags. Anyway, uh, and the tags will be involved in the CBA, which we will talk about after this break. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, 
legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, Brady Quinn. The new CBA. Uh-oh. Deep, deep nerd law talk. Labor law talk. Yeah. I love labor law talk. Yeah. You know, it's great, too, when the players' union has a litigation attorney uh, trying to negotiate labor law. But we won't get into that. Mm. Yeah. It's weird why you would have to hire a trial lawyer to be a, a labor <laughs> lead a labor union. <laughs> wouldn't, but, you th- wouldn't you think you'd want to hire someone who's dealt with more of these transactions and labor law? Gotta just, say, just what D. I'm Smith, D. Smith's profile has improved over the last ten years. For some, somehow, somehow, I, I don't get it. I, I mean, I don't mean to give him a hard time because I think obviously the players' union is a victim of its own circumstances, and I think sometimes what the goals are aren't prioritized in the right way. And so, if you look at what's proposed now, um, my biggest issue is with it. You know, one, it's too long. Um, it's technically, it's going to be 11 years. If this thing gets ratified, it's 11 years. They're, they're pitching it as 10, but it's 11 because you're, you're under the last year of the current deal, right? It's like, it's much like we've talked about with contracts when we're talking about new money and all this stuff. No, 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 no. You, you got to tie in the years that were still under contract with the additional years and the money. And that's where you get the true value of what that contract is worth. But agents will spin it. Much like in this case, the owners are kind of spinning it to make it look like a 10-year deal. It's, it's 11 years. So that's the first issue I have. It's too long. If you want it to be that long, have an opt-out. Have the ability to – and it could be a mutual opt-out, right? But we don't know what the gambling revenue is going to look like. We don't know how the vague language that's within the CBA and what they're going to do with this data and, and if they're going to be able to capitalize off that at all and what that's going to look like in three years, four years. So why not well, have the ability to get out if you can? Well, and this is something that I have made a point of. I, I made a point about it the second that we saw that that sheet come out, the ter- sheet of proposed terms, and it's a very loose group of terms. It is not the CBA itself. Uh, Andrew Brandt uh, wrote about uh, the the CBA on SI.com for the MMQB. It's it's worth checking out. I believe Andrew said that he had actually he's actually seen the full uh, the full Correct. CBA. Correct. Like, and and that's important. Like. When you make judgments about this, it is important to be able to say we've seen the full document of this. The thing that caught my eye immediately, though, was that the NFLPA and the NFL had agreed to loose definitions of gambling revenue and of uh, personal data. And to me, it would be borderline negligent for the NFLPA and the, the union to enter into an, a, an 11-year contract, as you point out, with the NFL owners, these thirty group of thirty billionaires and, and Mark Davis, and shade at Mark Davis. And they'll need that uh, shade, by the way, with that uh, the black hole stadium that's out there in the middle of a desert, just straight black. What's the yeah. AC bill going to be in that thing, man? Uh, it's going to be insane. no one thought hey, look, about that. Look, but he, yeah, he built he built a stadium in Vegas. He's he's it's a billionaire incredible. to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what? What this is ignoring, I think, and what I think obviously the owner, so, so the owners, the owners have said, you know, the, the presumption is that they're going to try and put all this revenue, all, all this gambling, this influx of gambling money into what is called all revenue. And all revenue is what the union and the, and the owners split right. uh, when they go to the share. It includes full, all the TV deals, et cetera. I'm sure it includes a lot of money from DraftKings, uh, who, who paid them to be the official partner, uh, daily fantasy of the NFL. However, Brady. And this is one of the big sticking points. And I, I know Andrew included it in his article, and I, it's something I've talked about a lot. 
what the players union is missing is that all revenue does not include team specific revenue. Right. In other words, if right. Jerry Jones sells the naming rights to the star, which Correct. he did in Frisco to Ford, he keeps all that cash as part of the Dallas Cowboys, Cowboys LLC or whatever it is. Right. And this is the catch to me. Gambling is going to operate on a state by state basis, which means all of these teams are going to work inside of the state that they operate in to figure out how to get revenue to their team specifically. That's and right. the players won't touch a cent of that. And, and that's where you'd like to put in provisions or have a better understanding. So it goes back to my initial point, having an opt out. It could be mutual, both sides. And that makes this negotiation look a little bit more agreeable, right? Like, Hey, we both have the opportunity to get out after five years because we don't know what that landscape is going to look like. So that could be one point. That And then Brant points this out, that is non-negotiable. Because one of the things the owners have said this entire time is that 17 games is non-negotiable in a new CBA. Which, and he does discuss this too, and I've said this all along, at what point then are we talking about 18 games? Like, where does it stop? Because uh, In five years. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know if in five years, because we've got an additional playoff game, but yeah, after this next CBA, he alludes to that, and I've said that all along. Like, at what point does it stop? At what point are we saying, you know, there's, there's too much football, right? So... so so you know, you know, Brady, you know when you're sitting on an air, on an airplane, and this probably doesn't happen to you because you're strong and, you know, took EAS as a, as a rookie. Now I'm done. Now like I'm somebody, done. and somebody starts sliding their arm. Once, once somebody gets a hold of that armrest, oh. it's not coming back. You might as well plant a flag there like it's the moon, man. Exactly. Like it's yours. If it, and if anything, once you lose the armrest, yeah. half the armrest, you're going to lose the whole armrest. It's 17 or 18 games. Once they get to 17, they're getting eight. Yeah, you're not getting 16. It's not, it's not moving backwards. <laughs> no, and, and the other no, thing okay. is, so so that speaks to this. You know, for starters, any, any point, and again, Andrew Brand points this out in his article, they're at cur- currently that are 47% of the revenue split, all revenue split that we talked about. And first off, with a new agreed-upon new CBA, there's no jump this year. That, to me, is asinine. I, I don't know how you would agree to that sort of deal with no improvement and then really marginal improvement until you get that 17th game season. And, and, and people are like, well, why does that matter? You know, like they're still getting a greater percentage than any other professional sports union. Well, one, the NBA, NHL, it's apples to oranges comparison. These are bigger rosters. Um, the NFL players, whether or not they have, they think they have leverage, they have more than they realize. And because they have bigger rosters and there's more people to take care of, they should push to have a higher percentage to make it 50 50 at least. And that could be another point that you say is non-negotiable. But again, as you pointed out, even if it was a 50-50 revenue split, and they tried to negotiate that and said, look, if you want a 17th game, it's got to be 50-50. And we realize, even in saying that, it's still not going to be even because there's all sorts of other ways you're going to be able to tap into you know, your state, whether it's the gambling revenue, um, the like Patriot Place, the things that are like Robert Kraft has around the stadium that he takes in. No, one, no other owner does. He doesn't have to share that revenue. There's all sorts of things like that for every single team. Uh, that's why, for example, Shad Khan's building that whole facility around Jacksonville, um, you know, uh, out where, where their stadium is. So, you know, the problem with these players are, I think some of them are cognizant of this, of what they're going to be missing out on. But the, the issue is they don't do a good job messaging it, A, and communicating to the masses, to their players. And, and, and instead, the owners then throw out all these, you know, these rumors and reports of what the minimum wage guys who are really, are the largest group of the league and the hundred grand that they'll be getting additionally and say, here, are you sure you don't want this? This sounds like a much better deal. Everyone's getting a hundred grand more. And especially all those players who are in college who aren't a part of this yet, but they're, they're glad they don't know what, they don't know what to expect. So they're, they're glad to take on any of this. Um, that's where I feel like the, the players union falls short in this negotiation is there are a select few are saying, Hey, this is a bad deal. We should wait. We should hold off. 
we should try to push the owners to the limit of a work stoppage and use the TV network contract as our leverage. But unfortunately, there's just not enough guys listening. And the crazy thing about this to me is when you listen to some of the players out there who are for it and some of the opinions of people saying, well, you know, the stars of the league don't like it because it's not good for them. Really? I actually think it's it's probably worse for the stars of the league. Like if you could make a case because, A, there's no change to the franchise tag, right, which you'd make the case the best players in the league usually get tagged when they're on the roster, right, because teams right. don't want to let them get the free agency. So if you don't have a change in that, obviously these, these star players are saying, yeah, this isn't a good deal for us. We'd like to have more. They realize that it's it, it's a good deal for the minimum guys, but they're also probably trying to get more for those guys. So, you know, not not being able to, to communicate some of these facts to these guys and get them to understand that they have more leverage than they realize. If they have a, a closer to a 50-50 revenue split and they made that non-negotiable like the 17th game, they could do whatever they want with the additional revenue they're getting from that. So, yeah, it, it could go to increase the minimum spending, however they want to structure it. That's part of the issue, though, is there is nothing that is non-negotiable for the players' union. They're just happy to take whatever they can get. And the other problem, I would say two things about it, too. One, like, it, it, you know, you look, you look at, like, uh, war, t- war ta- like battlefield tactics. Sure. The owners are doing the right thing. I right. mean, in, like, from a t- tactical standpoint, they're all a bunch of – I mean, they're not all – all old and white, but they're a bunch of old rich guys for the, for the most part. And, uh, the last thing they want is for the players to get on the same page and to operate in a cohesive fashion in terms of how they negotiate. Instead, they would rather have the Aaron Rodgers, the Drew Brees, the JJ well, Watts of the world yelling just, about one thing. Just look at the, the voting of the executive committee versus the player reps. Like yeah. you had an executive committee that was six, five against seven, four against, as, as we saw. And then you end up having the player reps who are 17, 14, one, Want to abstain? Who are who are for it? Like, there's already a disagreement in all this because, again, not that there's misinformation, but I don't know that everyone is as informed as they should be on this. Uh, and they've supposedly been negotiating this for for what ten months now. Well, look, the owners have again 32 teams with their ability to get their message out in a way they want to get it out, right. and players don't have that. I mean, players have Twitter, and they've done a great job with it. The union does not have. I mean, I'll, like, I, I like, there are plenty of guys at Union I like, and I don't want to disrespect them, but like, they don't have the manpower or the ability to get this information out in the media, or they just don't seem to care to push this agenda harder than they should. I just don't understand why there would ever be this thought that the deal that's on the table would be reduced if they waited a year from now. It, to me, it's nonsensical. Like, the, the the owners know how badly the TV contract is going to impact the revenue, the salary, everything involved. And if the players continue to push to a work stoppage, that's where the TV networks come in and say, how do you want us to do a long-term deal with you if we don't know if there's even going to be games? Like, you need to figure this out. And it usually would come via a lockout because that's how the players then put even more pressure on the networks to then force pressure on the owners to come to the negotiation table and start conceding some things that maybe were non-negotiable. And, and this is one of the last thing I'll say, like I've said all along with this, is you have to strike on the leverage that they have with the owners wanting to do the 17th game you know, deal and the expanded playoff now because, yeah, we're assuming after the CBA they're going to want to come back for an 18th game. We don't know that. After that, they might want to stay at 17. Maybe they figured out that's the best – the best way of it moving forward, but what are the what, what other what other time are you going to be able to go and say, all right, this is what you want, this is what we want, and, and actually have that negotiation? You don't know when you're going to have leverage again, and that's why I feel like this, to me, is is one of the most important times ever for the NFLPA union to capitalize on on what they have in front of them. 
It's the single biggest leverage point that the NFLPA has had since probably 2006. Well, Reggie yeah, White, maybe, Reggie, but, but or maybe, yeah, maybe two. Well, yeah, fine, two thousand, whatever it is. Like it's the biggest leverage point in, in a decade and a half that they've had. Right. And if they don't, like if you, which, if, which if by the way, the, like, the people know, like they had a greater share of the revenue split back in two thousand six. They had, what fifty two, fifty three percent, fifty three forty seven. Like people, like I, I remember we do a radio show, right? And people call and be like, "Well, these are the owners. Why should why should the players have a greater you know percentage of the revenue split?" I'm like, "Well, they already have before, dude. That's not unprecedented." Like. If yeah. you know history, like it's not unprecedented because even if they had 52, 53%, when you still factor in all the revenue that they're able to get just within their state around their, their stadium and, and their facilities and all that, it's a lot more even than you think. And that's the problem is again, fans are misinformed. And for some reason, I kid you not, fans tend to relate more to owners. And I think it's maybe from fantasy than they do players. But yet, if you look at the tax brackets, you're closer to a player than you are uh, an actual owner. Yeah. Well, the reason that fans relate to owners instead of players is because teams have been, and the NFL and the ownership did a, did a really good job with this. Teams have been treated, has been turned into a uh, public commodity slash institution. So, like the Browns are part of Cleveland, even though they right. moved out of Cleveland. And so, like the fans are mad when Brady Quinn won't, you know, come into like, you know, like it, it just it's just been flipped on that way. So it's like, what do you mean you don't want to go play football for a living? I'd do that for no money. It's like, no, you wouldn't. Right. You definitely wouldn't do that. You would get as much money as you possibly could, and you should get as much money as you possibly could. It, it's, um, it's like a social experiment, uh, you know, social science yeah. experiment. People would do the same thing if they were. In your shoes, they always would. Um, and, and look, there's been players like you know what Pouncey, Russell Okung. They talked about putting 250k into a uh, strike fund, which look, it, it's great, but you need more guys to be involved in that. And really, that fund's going to go to players who are getting drafted into the NFL at that point in time, right? To make sure that yeah. like they don't try to uh, abandon you know the rest of the union that they're entering into because they don't have any money yet. Maybe some marketing right. money, but that's about it. Um, and obviously, the other fear is the fact that the last time we went through this, man. Players are so poorly prepared. I mean, we had a sixty grand non interest earning account that we had put aside. Most guys <laughs> blew through that in like two months. And then and that's the hard part is for for people at home to understand, it's not like we get a, a weekly pay stub or a bi weekly pay stub all year. We only, you only make money during the season really, besides some off you know, a, a, you know, out of season bonuses. It's not like you're getting paid during the off season. So you really have to be good about budgeting anyway. So it's always surprised me where people are like, Well, we don't want to work stoppage. Well, if the work stoppage starts in March, like it, much like we're talking about the franchise tag, it's it's really not a deadline until you get close to the actual season, the preseason, training camp, and games. So it's not like these guys are missing out on a ton of money at that point. It, really, not until we get to September's where you have a concern with that. Right. No, that's a good point. You get paid during the season. You got to hold on to your money, right. and and it's it's got. I would imagine it's hard to have a bunch of money and to hold on to that with people pulling at you from all different angles. Speaking of pulling at you from all different angles, Brady Quinn has a radio show that he does on SiriusXM. Um, um, and he does CBS Sports HQ, and he hopped on the podcast. In between those things, I wish you know who else it. likes to save money. Who's that? <laughs> CBS. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, uh, that's the same. Ah! They might say, might say different with that Tony Romo contract, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, 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 <laughs> don't we want to comment on that? Ah! Ah! <laughs> I go, but just, you mentioned you say Tony Romo. I go full Charlie Day. Uh, let's see ah! what next week, buddy. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk next week. By, by, by next week, we may have this, uh, the CBA ratified. So we'll see what, really what it looks like. You know what we could do? Maybe it'll get ratified. Emergency on, pod? Uh, emergency pod? Oh, we're doing an emergency pod. you give pod. me one of those, uh, snow cap you're wearing right now. I will. I will. This is from, uh, what is this from? Super Bowl in Minnesota, I believe. L-I-I? Yeah. I can't tell. 53, right? 
Unless they, I'm, I'm looking at a mirror. It's hard to. I'm looking at a screen. Two or three. I'm trying to count how many Roman numerals that is. It looks like three. Yeah. It is three. Do you, three. Do you count the Lombardi though? Is that one of them? No, no, no. Oh, okay. it's, it's fifty. That's just that would be the. Okay. Although it'd be cool if they did like two Lombardis as like a V. Yeah, because really so, well, you do that. You do the Roman numeral then the V, right? Yeah, it'd be lit. Yeah, that was this past yeah. year. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, Brady Quinn. See you fun. next week. That was fun. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.